Very good. Second Corinthians chapter one. Well, the uh, the 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 different songs we sung tonight were, were good. Uh, I'm going to look at in verses twelve through fourteen a good conscience, and we talk, sang there about peace. When what people would give to have a peace that floods their soul, and just that that thing of a conscience. You ever have a bad conscience about something? Does it give you any rest? That that thing never shuts up. And Paul and Paul writes here, let's pray first and let's have a look. Father, we're thankful for an opportunity yet again. Lord, the glories of your word and, and Lord, just how appropriate it is. Thankful for the songs. Lord, we sang about comfort here. We thought of that last week, having that comfort of heart and soul. We do ask and pray for you, for your help here tonight. Lord, for thy spirit's uh, filling, uh, Lord, that he might make application to our hearts and, and help us. Lord, that we'd have a closer walk with thee. My God, how, Lord, as I my heart, we'd have a closer walk with thee, that we might know thee and the power of thy resurrection, the fellowship of the sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Lord, you're not a God that's afar off, but one that we can know. And may God our walk be close. May, Father, our faith be strong. And we have a confidence in God, little confidence in ourselves, but a confidence in thee. Help us in thy word, we pray now, in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 12, for our rejoicing is this. We finished last week at verse 11, praying, bringing out the thought that uh, prayer, uh, praying for somebody else, somebody in need, praying for them as they're going through that trouble and tribulation of uh, verse 4. Uh, and then also also mention a couple of these other verses that as they go through that, we're helping them to get through. We're praying as we pray for them, they're comforted and God enables them to get through. Then he says, for our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you. Now, isn't that an amazing thought when you realise verse, verse 4 uh, the tribulation, trouble, uh, the word affliction is mentioned in being afflicted in verse 6. So they're going through things, sufferings in verse 7. So they're really going through these things. Verse 8 talks about being pressed out of measure above strength. They despaired even of life. Then Paul says, he says here in verse 12, that uh, for our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, they had a good conscience. Even as they were going through some difficulties, even though they were they were in a in a spot of bother, a spot of hardship, they could go through. And Paul says, "We've got a good conscience. The way we've gone through this, we're clear." Verse thirteen: For we write none other things unto you than uh, what ye read or acknowledge, and I trust ye shall acknowledge even to the end as also ye have acknowledged us in part, that we also, uh, that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. We'll just focus here on verse 12. We'll make mention of, of something there in verse 14 here. But the idea of a good conscience, a conscience is something is something very real in us. There is a problem. There is, we have a problem each per, any person that does not have a conscience has a problem. And how important that is 
to have a conscience. Now be careful, be careful like Jiminy Cricket, let your conscience be your guide. Be very careful because if, if your conscience has the wrong standard, you'll make the wrong decisions. A little bit, a little bit about Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket, JC, Jesus Christ. Some people will listen to Jiminy Cricket over Jesus Christ. Let your conscience be your guide. You better be careful of that conscience too. Our conscience needs, we need to have the right sort of conscience as we do it now. The conscience is that, is that faculty of soul. Uh, it, it's there for self-judgment. It judges us according to our actions. Uh, it, it links together uh, that which is right, that which is wrong. And it has to do with, and it has to do, if we do something wrong, <coughs> And we know to do right. There is a duty. We know, if we have a conscience and a conscience to do right, we also have the duty. We also have the, the, the ability to be able to do right. We must protect that conscience that it doesn't become seared, doesn't become defiled. Having an evil conscience, we, we need to be careful that our conscience doesn't become this way. Paul says he, that he had a good conscience. He was able to live before people. It can work. Conscience can work both ways. It can be. It can work in self-approval. <clears throat> yes, self, you did the right thing. It can work in self-condemnation. Self, what did you just do? It works. It, conscience can work both ways for us. And that condemning, that self-condemnation of our conscience. Oh, what a difference it makes in our heart. It will take it will take the spring out of the step. Uh, the, the, you know, there's no spring in the step. You know the sp the step is sprung. It's gone. It's it's not there. But the basis the basis of our conscience is that there's an obligation that, that we have an obligation to do right. It's in our heart. We're talking about Christian conscience. We're talking about the conscience that we have. Uh, it has the power. In, in some ways, it has the power to distinguish between right and wrong. But remember, the standard of our conscience is, is very important. With the divine work, with God's work within us, we have, the, we have the conscience and then we have the spirit of God that will also come in and prick that conscience as well. And then it kicks us. He pricks it, it kicks us. <laughs> we're, we're, we're troubled both ways. We need to make sure that, that, that our conscience is clear. So what makes right, right, and wrong, wrong? Well, we find that. We find the three ways we can find that out. It's always by the word. It's by the written word. We go to the book and we have a look. This is what the book asks of us to do. This is what we ought to be doing. And when we go against the book, when we go against the written word, we have, we have a conscience that says you should have done that or you shouldn't have done that. Secondly is the living word. When God will speak to our hearts, when he says don't do that and we go ahead and do it, now our conscience is pricked. Or, or he says do it and we don't do it the same way. So there's the, there's the written word, there's the living word, and then thirdly there's the engrafted word. Romans, Romans chapter 2 tells us there that... <coughs> Uh, verses 14, 15, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, 
their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. There's the engrafted word. God has put a witness inside the heart of every person of what is right. There are some, there, there are some villages, savages, whatever you want to call these people, and, they, and why is it that, that it is wrong to take another's wife? Why is it when they're out in the middle of why? why is that? It's written in their heart, they know you're not supposed to take another man's wife. In some, now, that's not everywhere, but there are places where they have a conscience towards that and you do not do that. There is, there is something within us that, he, that he's put there. Now, the word that he has put within us that bears witness in us Sometimes that can be perverted and sometimes that can be dimmed through, through a, a life that we live, uh, 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 sin done and everything else that can happen. But we need to be careful that we protect our conscience. Well, I just get sick and tired of it talking to me. Well, you ought to get sick and tired of doing the wrong thing. And we, we, if, we, if we continue to ignore our conscience, we will quieten it. We will silence it and then to get it back it is going to take some sort of crisis or a series of crises to get their conscience where it's soft again where God can speak to us through it. There are some things concerning our conscience that we have no control over. Things, things like our birth, our parents, where we were born, our, our, not just our city, our country. It also has to do with our education. It also has to do with friendships. Right from that early age, we need to be careful of it. Uh, our health can sometimes determine our conscience. As we live our lives, may we live as Paul for our rejoicing is this the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you. Paul says our conscience before God is clear. We, on Sunday night, we considered Elijah and with Elijah, uh, he, he stood before God. For the Lord God of Israel, before whom I stand. We won't be able to stand before the Lord God if our conscience, if there's something wrong with our conscience, if our conscience is screaming out, we're not going to be able to do it until we take care of whatever has transgressed us, whatever we've done. And then that conscience goes down. Please don't get, please don't belittle your conscience. Please. Please don't ever get upset with it. It's a great safety mechanism. We ought not be living by it. We ought to be living by the engraft, the living word, the written word and the engrafted word. We ought to be taken care, but as soon as it comes, we ought to make make sure that, that we clear it. Well, verse verse twelve there, let, let's look at three thoughts out of verse twelve. Firstly, the essence of a good conscience. He says the testimony. The testimony of our conscience, our conversation. Our, our conversation has to do with our walk, not 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 just our talk, but our um, our um, 
our, our method of communication, but it also has to do with the, our manner of life, our, our walk in this life, how, how we live life. Paul's conscience could bear witness of the life that he was living. In Paul's life, he was that he could face others, he could face himself. Have you ever had a bad conscience and you couldn't even look at yourself in the mirror? Don't put your hand up, I'll do it for us. And you think, man, I can't even look you in the eye. And you look at the nose, you look at the chin, you look at the ear, you, you look at the hair, but you can't look at yourself in the mirror because you know, <laughs> you dirty dog. You shouldn't have been doing that. You shouldn't have done that, da, 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 whatever it might be, your conscience while you're standing there. And what a blessing it is when we can look at ourselves in the mirror with a clear conscience before God. Some people can, can look in the mirror and, and, and it's like their conscience should be screaming by the, by the sort of life that they're living. But we, we, ought to, we ought to be careful with it. Whenever there is a conflict between our conscience and our conversation, there's... Uh, Inside is going to be divided. One mother took her took her son to the preacher and said, and you know, wanted him to counsel him, and, and she's really hoping that, that that she lectured him about the way he was living and everything. And the son said, "Well, if you if you're going to be lecturing, you be, you better lecture mum too, because she's not living up to what she knows." And sometimes our conscience just quietens down, and our conscience doesn't speak what it ought to speak. And when that's the case, we become a hypocrite. Now, now we've got to deal with being a. Now we've got to deal with hypocrisy and uh, I seed or a, you know a cold conscience. We start looking at it, thinking, "Oh, what's happening with it? Why isn't my heart soft towards these things? Why, why is it like that?" The conscience is going to be different between a lost and saved man. And the difference is God. For, for the, a, a lost man, the conscience is, is not going to react the same as a saved man. That's why a lost man needs to know what the law of God is, the word. He needs to know what the law of God is. He, he needs to know what God's standards are. So now there's a standard of his life. Every lost person has a standard of life. We have a standard. Saved people have a standard of life. But, if that, but the lost person, their standard of life is not the word of God. They've, they've gotten their, their standard of life from somewhere. Maybe it's family values. Maybe it's the, the blokes down the pub. Uh, whatever it might be, they've, they've attained their, their standard of life from somewhere. That's why lost people, you need the word of God to say, now this is the standard. This is what God's looking for. How do you measure up? And once that, once that conscience is enlightened, once that conscience is stirred a little bit, it just takes the Holy Ghost to prick it to say, what are you going to do now? And so, and so the conscience, the lost man's conscience is going to be very different. If he does right, he'll, he'll be saved. The, the, the saved man, his conscience is or, should already be stirred and already be softened and working because of the, the work that's already taken place. There's the, we are, are partakers of the new nature. It's, been, it's already been put in. And there's everything that we have for life and godliness, Second uh, Peter 1. We already have that in heart. And as we live the Christian life, our hearts should be such where God is able to speak to us. The longer we are saved, the more soft our conscience ought to be. 
Now, if your conscience isn't any softer than it was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, there's something wrong. We ought to be careful that make sure that we don't allow our conscience to become seared over, to to become calloused. We ought to have and strive for to to have and maintain a soft conscience so that God can easily work on us and speak to our hearts to say, you shouldn't have done that or you should have done that. As we go on in the Christian life, may our conscience continue to soften as we go. So it's not that the Lord, you know, the, 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 uh, the vessel on the wheel, Jeremiah 18, it's not like he gets his thumb right in there. Sometimes it's just a slight, a slender stroke of the thumb will change shape and get the desired result. You ever had a massage? The thumbs are bad enough. Have you ever had it where they've gotten in with the elbow? And they get in there and you're crying. You've got your head down that hole. How are you doing down there, Neil? Is it all right? Yes. That elbow's in there. We don't want the Lord to get the elbow in. We just want the Lord just, just to shape us. And normally, the longer we go in the Christian life, the quieter he speaks. He shouldn't be yelling. It should just be a, 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 a soft, I'm getting off track here. There ought to just be a softness about us where the littlest, the littlest thing can bring about an effect upon our life. I worked with a fellow doing camp, he, he, he would do camp drafting. And, you know, where they cut, where they cut one beast out of the pack and they had to, they have to move, maneuver this beast during the seat in, in the country shows. I don't know if our, if our local shows have anything like that. But, but he goes also to camp drafts and, 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 uh, and he'll go into those things and he'll be doing that. I said, I said, how do you do that? And I got talking with him about it. He said, sometimes just the way I sit in the saddle, the horse knows what to do. I can shift my weight in the saddle. And it just moves over. I can put the, I can take the rein, and just lay it against the neck, and it's a control measure that the horse will will act. Would the God that that we might be just like that? I think it's Psalm thirty two, bitten bridle, that that we might be like where the Lord doesn't have to jerk on it; He can just take that rein and just lay it across a part of our life. And yes, Lord. And it brings about that thing. Our conscience having a soft, being soft enough where the Lord can just just a light touch on that conscience, and it brings about the the desired the desired result and response. There are some things that that you ought to do, we ought not do, or that we ought to do for conscience' sake. Not that it's sin to do otherwise, but between you and the Lord. Our relationship with him, I'm doing this for conscience sake. Some Christians, some Christians can do all sorts of stuff and, and, and it just doesn't bother them. Uh, we're coming up to tax time. Some people, it does not bother them to lie coming into tax time. They, they will purposely uh, not tell truth. I'm not going to say they lie. Heaven forbid, no Christian lies. He just doesn't tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And, and people people do that for the sake of a few bucks. I'm thinking, 
man, I, I, I can't do that. I, I, I don't want to do that. So there ought to be some things, no, for conscience sake, I'm just not going to do it. That's a, that's, if, if I was to do that, that is, that, that is sin, that's wrong. But there are some things in life that you'll come across and just between you and the Lord, that, that little gospel tract I've mentioned before, others may, you cannot. Just like, no, everyone else can do that, but, but I'm, not going, I'm not going to do that. Second uh, Timothy, I think it is, We'll get back to my notes here in a, in a minute. Second Timothy talks about, there's a little phrase, but thou, O man of God. This and this and this is happening, but thou, O man of God. Uh, man of God, in light of what's just happening, in light of what they're doing, you don't know that. That's not for you. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. But thou, O man of God, do these things. Regardless of what others are doing, you're needing to do this. And so, so we need to be careful that Paul said in, in uh, Acts 23 and verse 1, as he was giving an account, he said to them, he said, I've lived my life in good conscience. And would it be good, we, we looked uh, a few weeks ago, Second Timothy chapter 4, we get to the end, yeah, my conscience is clear, I can stand before God with a clear conscience that I've, I've done, I've done that which is right. There's two ways to live here that, that, he, that he gave. He said in simplicity and godly sincerity, we, we, we can live, you know, the, he, he, makes, he makes it two, two, uh, two thoughts there, simplicity, the uh, free from duplicity, duplicity, simple, simplex, simple, one, duplex, du, duo, two, uh, it's, uh, simplicity is free from duplicity. It's there's no there's no double meaning. There's no double standard. There's only there's only the one. He said in in simplicity there. He also and then he talked about sincerity. Uh, 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 no uh, no hypocrisy. That which is sincere. That which is true. That which is right. Then he says, uh, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. We either live by the the wisdom of the flesh, fleshly wisdom, or we live by the grace of God. Fleshly wisdom is opposite to spiritual wisdom, James chapter 3. Fleshly wisdom will cause us to blend in, compromise, to lower our standard, to please folk to do that. And sometimes it's, it's when we try to please others that our conscience is pricked and that voice says, you shouldn't have done that. Why did you allow that to take place? Why, why did you do it like that? But Paul was able to live his life, uh, that conversation that he speaks of, he's able to live it by the grace of God working in him. He was able to yield his body unto the things of God. Secondly, that's the essence, the essence, the nature of it. The nature of it is simplicity, godly sincerity, not fleshly wisdom. The second main thought is this, the satisfaction of a good conscience. The satisfaction of our conscience cannot be measured. There is no scientific way to measure us when our conscience is, is at peace, is resting. There's no way to measure it. It, it is subjective. It's personal. It cannot, it cannot be done. But we all know, we all know about a troubled conscience 
That, that second person within us just telling us all the time. Oh, it might be quiet for a little bit and we think we've gotten over it. Then all of a sudden, at the most inopportune time, it calls out. <sighs> oh, I thought he was gone. And it just, it just speaks back up again. That, that, that troubled conscience. We read Romans chapter 2, verse 15, talk to, talking about uh, accusing or else excusing. Oh, we'll excuse what we've done, and our conscience, on the other hand, is, is accusing. Hey, hey, what did you just do? So we, 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 we need to, we, we need to uh, be careful with that. A troubled sorrow, a, a troubled conscience brings sorrow, brings shame, brings disappointment. It brings things within our heart. We can't explain it, but we know. And we just say, man, my, my conscience is troubled about that. And it's made worse when the Spirit of God gets a hold of it and winds it up or uses it and pricks us again. Just that little, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And that's when, that's when we go to him. But the other side, if, if you have a troubled conscience on one side of the coin, on the other side... You've got that satisfied conscience. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. People with a troubled conscience would give anything to have that peace, to have their conscience quietened, to have it where it no longer screams out. A satisfied conscience. A satisfied conscience brings peace of mind. It, it, it lets you know you're saved. It lets you know that, that there's something different. A satisfied conscience doesn't come from external uh, stimulus. It doesn't matter what, what you go looking for outside of yourself. It's, it's not going to, to do it. Man, I like comfort food as good as anybody. A big, a big thing of, uh, you know, of, uh, of uh, deep fried chips and, and pasta and, you know, everything white that they tell you is bad for you. Yeah, well, I like that. Potatoes, potato gems, everything, all of it. Does it ever, does, does any of that ever stop? Does it ever stop a conscience? It just, nothing external will stop our conscience. The stopping of our conscience comes from within. We have to be able to go and confess it. We have to be able to acknowledge it. We have to know just just what it is. Our real happiness doesn't come from doesn't come from another person. It comes from the person, the the Prince of Peace, and that's where we find that contentment. The testimony of a good conscience, verse there in verse twelve. The testimony of a good conscience is the third thought. Uh, we need to have a testimony of a good conscience in our social relationships. He said in our conversation in the world, in our, in our conversation in the world, we need to make sure our conscience is clear. We need to make sure that, that there's nothing, uh, our marriages, our, our business actions, our uh, things, our interactions with the community, boss, all different things in the community, Outside of the walls of the church, everything out there, we ought, to, we ought to have a good conscience about our dealings with other people outside of this church. Secondly, there is spiritual relationships 
he says there at the end, and more abundantly to you would. Paul said, my conscience towards you people at Corinth, to, to, you, to you people in the Corinthian churches, my conscience is clear abundantly towards you. I've been as honest as, as I can be before you. My, my, uh, my testimony before God is I am clear in that way. We should not want to offend, needlessly offend somebody else and grieve them and to do that. We need to be careful of that. Being around a church always helps us with our conscience. If we get around other people that are living for God, it's good for us to get around them to also learn what to do, to also learn some things of conscience. If you don't want to have a good conscience, if you want to have a conscience that quietens down, don't hang around church people, don't hang around church and just just go out and live the way you want and eventually it will quieten down. But if you want to keep that conscience soft and and, and supple and being, being able to be worked upon, we need to have a good conscience, get around church people. Thirdly, our saviour relationship, our social relationships, our spiritual relationships, our saviour relationships. And at the end of verse 14, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ someday. How will our conscience stand up in that day? Uh, we, we, we have an opportunity in this life to take care of some of those things before we get to that, that standing, before we get to that, that uh, judgment point. Ultimately, we are to have a good conscience and we get that from looking at things or having God's point of view on it. Uh, we, we ought to make sure that, that his, his, his standard, his way, is more important to us than any other way. We ought to be able to, to, to put his way and his, his mind, his things first. Jesus said in, uh, in uh, Mark chapter 9, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Where the worm dieth not, the worm. That worm is remorse, regret, conscience. While people are burning in hell, their conscience is going the whole time about what they should have done with Christ. It's, we think it's hard enough living for a week with a bad conscience. Imagine living for eternity, realising I should have done this. I should have looked into Christ more. I should have been more diligent. I should have been able to look into that. Uh, if they think... If lost people think they're having trouble with their conscience now, imagine then all of eternity with a conscience. The only way to clean your conscience, Hebrews 9 and verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews 9, 14. Our conscience can be cleansed, our conscience can be dealt with, our conscience can be cleared. Cleansed and cleared. A good conscience. Father, where I pray, my God, that we would live with a good conscience. Father, it's easy for each of us to, to have it where our, our, um, our thoughts, our excuses will, will quieten, we will try to quieten our conscience. 
And may, Father, our conscience continue to deal with us, Lord, with thy Spirit's help. And we'd have a conscience towards thee and of thee, and you'd help us. Lord, to live with a good conscience these days, in simplicity, in godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. And by thy grace, my God, we can live with a clean conscience before thee, before our brethren here, and before the world out there. You help us here over these next few moments to exchange prayer requests, to pray, to seek thy face now in Jesus' name. Amen.